We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And Eric, man, guys, apologies before we even get into this. Uh, my microphone died, so I might sound like I'm coming through a, a, a telephone. Like, it, it's, it's not great. I do apologize for that. But outside of that, the week off, you know, being able to watch some Broncos football, uh, watch some tape, uh, watch some other football other than Broncos football was a lot of fun. Eric, how are you doing? Are you rejuvenated and rested after the bye week? No, <laughs> it, it was a it was a very stressful week um, with a lot of stuff that's going on. I didn't watch any, you know, any football until I went to watch the Bills to be able to preview them this week. So. Uh, it's been a long week, but I'm excited, you know, to get around talking Broncos football in this Bills game on Monday night that we have and how it's, you know, yet another test for this Broncos team to see where we're at as a team. Yeah, man, it's it, after watching what the Broncos have done over the last three weeks of the season, you know, facing the Chiefs in Kansas City on uh, Sunday night football, then they, they get the win against the Green Bay Packers and then again against the Chiefs uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, 45 points allowed from this defense is a far cry different than what we've seen uh, through the first four weeks of the season, obviously with the uh, 70 point drubbing that the Miami Dolphins handed out. But then watching the Chicago Bears go up and down the field and score at will, it seemed like they were they were all over the Denver Broncos defense. But this this change, there's been a a handful of changes, first and foremost, benching Damari Mathis and getting uh, Fabian Moreau out on the field, um, getting rid of Hussein Bassey and getting Jaquan McMillan out on the field, getting Josie Jewell, getting Justin Simmons back. This defense is starting to turn it around for the most part. And I know, and Eric, you're, you're shaking your head here. Uh, I, I don't want to like overestimate the, the abilities of Justin Simmons and Josie Jewell on the field, but no, no, just no, the no, ability no, no. to communicate them. Like th- this defense is playing a hell of a lot better over the last three weeks. It is, but people are feeling whenever they bring that up, they fail to remember that they were out there to start the season when this defense mm-hmm. was terrible. You're right. You're right. Like, yep. 
I don't think that they're coming back outside of the communication aspect to cut down on how bad they were in Miami is such a huge, significant factor about the turnaround. The communication is huge. They're definitely, I mean, even after that Miami game, they were better with them back on the field. Like, no doubt about it. I just mm-hmm. think that there are other elements to it besides those two that are the bigger factors as to why this defense improved. Well, I don't, I don't disagree with that because you're seeing a lot more of the the similar tendencies to what Vance Joseph liked to run back in Miami and also with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, we're we're getting some more Tampa 2 looks. We're getting a lot more man coverage on the outside, uh, single high coverage, rotating safety down. And the blitz packages look incredibly similar to what they were doing in Arizona a couple of years ago, more so than what this defense actually looked like in the early part of this season. The pressure packages look a lot better. You're getting home on the edges as well. I mean, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, they're they're starting to win. The addition of Baron Browning to this defense in terms of getting pressures on the quarterback, it's it, it's huge. Like this whole defense, this this whole defensive ideology that Vance Joseph likes to incorporate with his defensive scheme is getting after the quarterback. You have to incorporate pressure. And the Broncos are finally able to do that. And we also have to give a big shout out to Zach Allen who over the last couple of weeks has been a man with his hair on fire. He has been getting after the quarterback as often as any interior defensive lineman in the NFL of late. Um, I think that that just the, the overall execution and the design and putting these players in a better position to succeed is definitely a bigger factor than just adding Josie Jewell and Justin Simmons back to the lineup. This team is playing a hell of a lot better in all three levels of the defense. Yeah, they are. They, I mean, I think there's big reason that you touched on is the changes that Vance Joseph has made going to his more natural cover two, the Tampa two variation of it. Um, I mean, they're still using a lot of coverages that they did. It's just Vance Joseph's of tweaks on it a little bit less, you know, cover six, cover four and a little bit more else, but they're still using those coverages and they're being pretty yeah. mixed with it. Um, he's got a better um, situational awareness on when to call certain plays, certain coverages, um, something that was a big issue there early on. I mean, we talked about it a lot there for the first four weeks. He's covering play calling plays that you typically call on third on long, third and long on first down because it's turning your back your corners back to the to the run and then they're just running up. Well, you have Papa Bear coming in with the five dollar donation saying, Good evening, Broncos Country Lance, Eric Dillon, and Deacon Scott. Hashtag eleven six, Buckham times three, MHH for life, Denver Broncos for life. Thank you, David. We appreciate that. Thanks, David. Um Appreciate you jumping in and joining us as always. But with the other things, I mean, yeah, Zach Allen, he's had a complete turnaround. And I think that part of that is Van Joseph is doing, again, doing more of what he wants with his looks up front um, mm. and with what he's asking them to do. There was a lot of two gapping early on, even from the edges and on the defensive mm. line. And that isn't Zach Allen's strong suit. And so yeah. now he's playing more of a ha- gap and a half gap techniques and we're seeing him shoot the backfield, get after there, and make plays on the quarterback. Um, and then getting the communication down, you know, with Josie Jewell back and Justin and Justin Simmons, that is where I, you know, they do help. I'm just not trying to overstate their return. All these things, you know, just go into it. And then simplifying things. The biggest thing when watching this defense lately compared to early on is they have a complete have had a complete change with their run fits. It is mm-hmm. far more simpler for the linebackers for them mm-hmm. to scrape and flow with the play than it was because of what they're being asked to do is just simpler. Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. And it's also just with with better execution within the run fits as well. I mean, it's making Alex Singleton have to think a hell of a lot less. 
Like that dude is a, a sea ball chase ball type of linebacker. He doesn't need to be out there identifying what's going on in front of him. Just let him go shoot a gap and make it easy for him. Getting Josie Jewell in, in the right position to go take on blockers as well. Like he does a hell of a lot better taking on guards in the hole and stuff like that. Singleton needs to be a guy that's driving forward. And then we also can't like we, I, I can't over accentuate or over explain the ability of Jaquan McMillan playing out of the slot in, in, uh, in his run fits. Uh, I wrote an article about him at milehighhuddle.com the other day, just kind of talking about it. And uh, to give you kind of the, the, the cliff note highlights here, out of all cornerbacks in the NFL with at least 61 run defense snaps, Jaquan McMillan has the second highest run defense grade, according to PFF, at 90.4. He has the sixth most defensive stops at seven. Those are all seven of his tackles, by the way, meaning he's getting to the ball carrier within one yard of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. He has the highest run stop percentage of any of those cornerbacks in the NFL uh, at 11.7%. Uh, and he's got the fourth shortest depth of tackle at 0.7 yards. This dude has come into the into this Broncos defense in terms of just playing against the run. We can get to coverage here in a minute. But his ability to go out there, read his keys, diagnose what's going on in front of him, and then attack ball carriers and be able to get them to the ground with ease is completely, completely uh, understated for what this Broncos defense has been able to do against the run over the last three weeks. Yeah, I mean, and then of course, some I see Michael Ronquillo and then Scott in the back said it too. Getting Baron Browning back. Yeah. I mean, that, that is huge. I mean, Randy Gregory was such a problem for this team on and off the field. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there, he's helping things out, and he's giving them yet another weapon, you know, as their pass rush. Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper are doing fine, but Baron Browning is just a completely different animal compared to those two as a pass rusher. He's yep. got you'll often hear me talk about Batmans and Robins as pass rushers. Cooper and Benito, they're both Robins to me. They're not guys that can be up. They're not those guys that are going to go take over the game without some help. Browning has that potential to be a Batman, and we've yeah. seen it over the last two weeks. He's played in two games, and he's fourth on the team in pressures, like behind Cooper, Benito, and Allen, who've been playing all season, and not by a whole lot. Like He's not far behind them. He's just been playing great football, and he's been doing really well against the run as well. Um, So his... You know, him stepping in, getting rid of a song bossy for Jaquan McMillan, that's a huge one. And then, of course, there's the Mari Mathis on the outside. I mean, mm -hmm. it was – he allowed almost every single target of his to be caught. I think, with like, except for, like, three targets of his were caught. Um, he allowed almost 700 yards, if I remember correctly, before he was benched. Um, he was just not playing good football. He would start off the game making a couple plays against the run and then would disappear for the rest of it. So getting that – complete liability off the field is obviously going to help when you put somebody in in Fabian Moreau who I don't want to say he's been outstanding out there but he's been better and it's not hard to be better and just that little that difference there is quite significant hey gang make little caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day you know how it is watching the broncos to say the least you work up a bit of an appetite but you can get ahead of that by ordering online during our pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after nfl kickoffs plus all day sunday and get ready for some football and fun choose your favorite little caesar's pizza or pick the toppings you crave either way you 
win. Personally, I'm a big fan of Little Caesars plain cheese pizza, but my favorite for what it's worth is the pepperoni with stuffed crust. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to give another shout out here quickly to Fabian Moreau for just his ability to go out there and make the big key plays when he needs to make them. He had a huge pass breakup against the Green Bay Packers. I believe he had another big pass breakup or two against the, the Kansas City Chiefs as well. It, like when he stepped on the field, Jaquan McMillan stepped on the field, uh, getting Baron Browning back, just adding a, a shot of talent into the into the overall makeup of this defense has made it so much better and so much more fun to watch. And they have a, a, a lot higher success rate over these last couple of weeks. Uh, we got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here with uh, good evening, uh, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Good evening, Michael. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, we also have KB jumping in the house here on a $5 Super Chat. Uh, talking about a linebacker here saying, I remember I thought we should sign late Nate Landman out of Colorado as an unrestricted free agent. It looks like he is signing in Atlanta. Uh, Scott came in here with uh, some context behind the scenes saying Nate Landman moved into a starting role with the injury of Troy Anderson. Uh, 2022 second round pick out of Mon uh, Montana State. He's been great for the Falcons since getting into the lineup. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Nate Lamont's tape out there in um, in Atlanta, and KB says he's, he's shining there. Uh, Eric, I want to kind of 
let's let's evolve this conversation back to the Broncos linebackers here. We kind of uh, talked a little bit about Alex Singleton and his improvement in terms of not thinking nearly as much uh, the insertion of Josie Jewell back to this lineup. But there's another player that we have. We've got Michaela Parker jumping in here saying hi as well. Um, Thank you for joining us. We appreciate seeing you. Yes, absolutely, and thank you for joining us. There, there's another player here in this uh, in this Broncos linebacker room that has been struggling out there as a rookie. He's sh- still trying to learn how to play the off-ball linebacker position, and this is rookie Drew uh, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Um, Eric, super huge athlete, great length. He can move very well, but it's there's something not working with him when he's on the field. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of insight on what his struggles are uh, coming into the season? Well, I mean, Drew Sanders was an edge rusher until last year. Mm-hmm. And then he was moved to being a linebacker. And what he was asked to do was a little bit different. And even when he watched his tape at Arkansas, it was there were still clear signs that he was still growing as a linebacker. And he's still growing as a linebacker even now. Um, you can see the flashes on there. He's played about 130 snaps, give or take, on defense. Mm-hmm. He started four games, um, technically. So between two of those starts, he only played 17 snaps on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the flashes there, and you can see the flashes of the athleticism. It's just getting more consistency and getting more trust in what he's doing. There mm-hmm. are issues where at times and when he's dropping into coverage, he doesn't fully trust what he's seeing, and he can be a little bit late. Um, but there are times where he sees it, and he just clicks and, go, and goes. Um, I can't remember which game it was. It might have been that technically third start that he had um where he read a play that was out to the flats and before the quarterback was even looking there he just like just gunned for it to the running back got there about when the ball was being caught and jarred it loose um so it's still a situation of he is a growing player into what his position is that is just not used to it and this is something that we always have to give a little bit of a break for um edge to linebackers that's a pretty big change there just as cornerbacks you know to safety you got to give a little bit of break there for it um flashes have been good it's just starting to get consistency at this point um which i don't think he's going to be seeing the field a whole lot barring an injury for the rest of the season but he's seen the field he's gotten to see the speed of the game out there on the field he'll still play a little bit um so everything is there for him to still take what he's you know what he's learning and still grow as a player Right. Yeah, exactly. And and something I want you to kind of expand upon talking about the differences between playing at the edge position and playing at off ball linebacker, specifically at the NFL level, um, linear movement. And I, I think you're going to understand where I'm coming with this. Uh, being an edge defender, you're typically moving in a linear motion. I mean, you got bend and stuff like that coming around the arc, but you're not necessarily playing with angular motion, if you understand what I'm talking about changing your hip angles, learning how to move away from the football. Uh, You're typically working as an edge rusher in a straight line moving forward. There's not a whole lot of playing in coverage. You're not dropping into zones, not trying to have to uh, change your body angles, change your your, your, uh, line of eyesight, essentially. Can you uh, expand upon that just a little bit and maybe the struggles that we're seeing with Sanders moving, uh, coming uh, as a player in his uh, early in his career? So, you know, as an edge rusher, you're, Basically, an edge rusher is offensive defense. Your job is to get after the quarterback. You're not playing defense. You're trying to be the attacker, be aggressive, go after there. So when you get moved off of it, you have a complete change of mindset that you have to have to where you're going to be a little bit more passive, let plays develop a little bit, read and react, 
And then when it comes to the movement is, yeah, I mean, you're a little bit more straightforward with an edge rusher where you do have to bend and dip and, you know, swat and spin to get around blocks to get after the quarterback or make a play on the ball carrier. But when you're playing linebacker is you are full on flipping your hips, changing direction and moving. You get that from an edge rusher, but it's more it's more of a fluid change with what they're doing as a pass rusher than it is with a linebacker where it's a little bit more jarring of, oh, it's a fake. I now have to completely flip my hips and go to the left after I started going right. So mm-hmm. it just adds a little bit more on them with the movement ability that they have, as well as just seeing things from a different angle. I mean, on the edge, your eye is on the backfield. It's on the quarterback. It's on where the ball is. Every single snap of the play, whereas when you're dropping into coverage, you know, it's a little bit more than that. You got to see if you're playing zone, you got to see those receivers. You got to have that, have that feel. There's just a lot more there that's needed from a linebacker than an edge. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And that's a, a way better way of describing exactly what I was talking about for the most part. Like I, I stumbled my way through asking that question, but, and I do apologize for that, but that's the, well, that's the key breakdown. I was uh, like trying to get out of that whole conversation. And Scott actually came in and said it in the private chat and, when you look, watch the combine, there are certain drills for all of them. The L cone for the edge, shuttle for the linebacker, mm-hmm. and that's yep. that's just a pretty spot on with what they're what they're going to be asked to do. That's what you want yep. to look at. Yep, uh, getting getting your uh, getting your center of gravity down and turning the corner in the L cone, or uh, opening your hips up, flipping them back around, driving in a different direction, change of direction ability is much needed as a linebacker uh, at the NFL level. Well, at any level in particular, but specifically at the NFL level. Um, let's see here. I'm, I'm going to try to grab a couple of comments and I, I'm not seeing them, but while I take a look at that, let's start to preview this, uh, this game on Monday night football, the Denver Broncos heading up to Buffalo, New York to take on the Buffalo bills who have seemingly been struggling for the most part. They are not quite the same Buffalo Bills team that we are accustomed to seeing over the last handful of seasons. Uh, They are turning the football over a lot. Josh Allen leads the league again in interceptions, and they cannot seemingly get out of their own way offensively. Now, Eric, I understand that this Broncos defense has been playing a hell of a lot better over the last three weeks, but this is going to be one of the more bigger challenges that the Broncos have faced since they got their doors blown off against the Miami Dolphins in week three. A big part of that is because this passing attack, it does not matter. I mean, the the, the Bills passing uh, offense is second in DVOA right now. And Josh Allen is second amongst all quarterbacks in terms of EPA per play uh, at the cornerback, uh, the quarterback position. What is the biggest threat to this Broncos defense other than Josh Allen? Uh, Dalton Kincaid. Um, yes. Oh, I'm so glad you went there. Even though he's a rookie, when I was watching over the Bills, he's a guy I noticed, and a lot of it is with how they use him. He was a mismatch mm-hmm. guy coming out of college, and that's exactly how they're using him. They love to stay in that in their 11 personnel, and they'll often throw Dalton Kincaid into the slot with Dawson Knox working as their inline tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he just creates mismatches, and I'm very curious to watch him go against, you know, not only these linebackers, but these safeties. Because when mm-hmm. watching this Denver's defense, even when they have been doing well, they have been creating an opening in the middle of the field there that just hasn't been able to be hit. Against their victory against the Chiefs, there are a lot of times Patrick Mahomes could have attacked the middle of the field. Fortunately, the pass rush was able to get there, get flush him out, and you know cut back on the, the 
impact, the negative impact that leaving the field, the middle of the field open is on. Josh Allen is a guy who he can still beat you with his legs. Um, he's not afraid to stay in there and take hits and, you know, make those throws in the middle of the field. Uh, so just the pairing of them is it's going to be interesting to see how Denver cuts back on these issues with the middle of the field. And then also Kincaid against Shaquan McMillan. That is a huge advantage for the Bills. Yes, I mean, size-wise especially. It's a it's a huge advantage mm -hmm. for them. Um, I'll be curious to see how what they do to try to exploit that. And Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Diggs limited today with a back injury. Sounds mm -hmm. like he's going to still play, but something to be keep an eye on. If he does play, that's even worse for this defense. If he doesn't play, it's a bit of a relief a little bit because he is that big weapon that they have. He's been targeted like 100 times already this season. It's just He's been the main guy, always has been. Um, yeah. So if he doesn't play, that is a bit of relief, but Dalton Kincaid is still a threat to this defense. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you went with Dalton Kincaid because, like you said, he's that mismatch guy. He's he's fast enough to run away from linebackers and safeties, and he's too big to play against cornerbacks. Like you, you need to find a, a specific answer. And we we saw, you know. Travis Kelsey was able to do a little bit of damage specifically in the first game against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on the crossing routes. But Dalton Kincaid is a hell of a lot better of an athlete than Travis Kelsey ever thought of being. And I'm just going to put that out there blankly. This dude can move and he has a great catch radius. He's physical at the point of attack when he needs to go up and, and high point the football. Um, and like you said, Jaquan McMillan, this is one of those matchups here where Jaquan McMillan is going to be tested in every single way possible. And it's not only just because of Dalton Kincaid, it is because of Stefan Diggs. Like you said, uh, over 100 targets already, it seems like. 30% um, of those targets come out of the slot, which is primarily where Jaquan McMillan plays. Uh, he's got, I think it was 21 receptions. I was looking at it earlier. Uh, 21 receptions on 32 targets or something like that in the slot. Um, Stefan Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And as much praise as I want to put on Jaquan McMillan for what he's able to do, when you have to go up against one of the top five guys in the league, you better bring your boots, like tie your bootstraps up and, and double trap, uh, double strap your helmet because you're going to need to go to work against a guy like this. He's shifty. He's a, he has a great acceleration. He's got an amazing catch radius. His route running is some of the most precise in the NFL. It's going to be very difficult for the Broncos to be able to contain him. And that's why I personally think they need to just let Stefan Diggs do what he's going to do. Like that to me defensively is let Stefan Diggs do what he's going to do and rally and tackle against him. Don't let Dalton Kincaid beat you. Like you need to play with discipline against Kincaid. Let Diggs have his thing because the Bills are not going to run the football. They they struggle running the football unless it's Josh Allen. And even then Josh Allen isn't running the football. Let Stefan Diggs have his, let him do his thing, focus on everybody else, and don't let anybody else beat you. If you take away Stefan Diggs, that's where this Bills offense becomes really explosive. Yeah, Cameron Wademan comes in saying with a with some 
what stars right that's what yep, it is off stars, yep, the stars of the nation uh thank you for that, that we appreciate in. that cameron it says would you guys still draft Penix or Knicks regardless of record this year i think it would be smart even if they sit behind wilson it, it's tough um part of it is my own personal philosophy when it comes to drafting rookies um especially if you're going to be drafting them in the top 100 as these two will be going um Penix, depending on you know the medical history and how he checks out there there's a very real chance he gets drafted in the first round with Knicks probably looking at a second round. Um, for this team, I wouldn't take Knicks personally. Me neither. Uh, but I would look at, I would, depending on how the medicals come out with Pen with Penix, I would look his way. Um, but it, it's a no-go for me on, on Knicks. Just with what Oregon does offensively, we've seen him outside of that offense and it wasn't great. And even at the few times where Oregon, you know, goes out there normal a little bit it's not always the best from Bo Nix so uh very very concerned that you know his draft stock now is very much what Oregon does offensively which is throw at or behind the line of scrimmage yeah. which is something that he's done like 95 percent of the time since he's got there yeah I would I would much rather take the risk on Penix um especially if the Broncos finish let, let's call it you know somewhere around seven and nine um uh, or excuse me, seven and 10, eight and nine, something like that, where they're going to be drafting somewhere around the middle of the first round. If you have a first round grade on Michael Penix, I think you take that risk. I really do. He's 23 years old. I understand that injury risks are there, but he is, he's going to win the Heisman trophy this year, guys. Like quite honestly, he's the best player in college football right now, at, at least in, so, in his performance. What does winning the Heisman have to do really with being a good NFL player? It doesn't really have a lot of translation, no especially translation. the NFL. Just, uh, just was curious about that. Well, it, it, it was. I'm just saying, like he's he's playing at a very high level of football right now. Translating to the NFL, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, Reggie Bush won the Heisman and was a quality NFL player, but it like was he the greatest running back of all time? No, absolutely not. I, winning the Heisman doesn't necessarily mean much in terms of translating to the NFL. It's more of a barometer or a we're drafting. Right. We're looking at how right. they can sit there and do that and right. how they translate to the NFL, which right. the Heisman and, doesn't and, do. And, so let, let me, let me finish my point here. The, he's, he's playing at a high level of football and it's not like, forget the Heisman as uh, Jason McKeever come here, it comes in and says, Tim couch says the Heisman doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I'm just, pointing out there he's playing at a high level at the, at, at the college football level right now. This dude plays with poise. He plays with timing. He plays with accuracy. He pushes the ball down the field and he plays, uh, like I said, with time. The, he's only taking like six sacks at, at the collegiate level. Like he knows and understands how to read defenses. He puts the ball in, in his playmaker's hands when he needs to. He has the ability to move around. This dude plays at a very high level at the quarterback position. Going to win the Heisman this year. That's the, the the second point there. I would much rather no, take my just, risks with. I was just pushing you on it with how you worded it. Made it seem like the Heisman mattered. Oh, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, pushing no, you no. a little We're, bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I, I, uh, Jason comes back. I'm just joking, though, too. Uh, no, I like with, with Bo Nix, we saw his struggles at Auburn, and those will never leave my brain even with what he's doing at, at, at Oregon right now. Because like you said, everything they throw is either at or within five yards of the line of scrimmage, if not behind the line of scrimmage. You don't see him pushing the ball down the field on a regular basis. 
Michael Penix led a, a drive against the Oregon Ducks. It was the showdown. Bo Nix versus Michael Penix. Went four plays, 75 yards, scored a game-winning touchdown, and made two of the most ridiculous throws I think I've seen this season. And then he followed it back around last week with a spin out, rolling to the left, on to the sideline towards his throwing hand. He's left-handed. Throws it on a dot in the end zone for a touchdown. I think it was USC was, was that game. This dude has the it factor. He's awesome. I, I think that I would much rather put like hitch my uh, wagon to that horse than take Bo Nix in the seventies. Let uh, like like I don't even know if I'd touch him in the top in the top two rounds. I wouldn't touch him in the seventies. He might not even be a, a top one hundred pick to me. I, I'm out on Bo Nix. Excuse me for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Um... But there's plenty. There's plenty of other quarterbacks in this draft that you can sit there and look at too. Um, if they all come out, of course, some of them can sit there and return uh, to school. But going back to the Buffalo Bills, as we focus on this matchup and everything, um, one thing I want to point out is that Stephon Diggs doesn't play in the slot a whole lot. Um, he's primarily a boundary receiver, where he spends over sixty percent of his time. Um, he does play the slot a little bit more higher, more this year than normal, but Buffalo likes him on the boundary. They like using him to create a matchup against one of the two corners that they have with Gabe Davis opposite. And especially this year, they really like Dalton Kincaid working out of the slot, something that he mm -hmm. has done so much. And before that, it was Dawson Knox. Um, but they, it's still a situation where they move these guys around. They're going to work to get a favorable matchup. If that favorable matchup is Dalton Kincaid getting on Fabian Morrow, Gabe Davis on Patrick Sertan and Stefan Diggs in the slot, they're going to do that. Um, I mean, you can sit there and you can try to shadow them and everything, but that isn't something that the Broncos have really done a whole lot of. They mm. have been very much of Patrick Sertan as your, what, your right corner and then Fabian Morrow as your left corner. Yep. Um, or vice versa. Uh, that That's pretty much what they've done and stayed with. Um, so there's still an opening there for them to do. And one thing, too, with this matchup, before we get over to the defensive side of the ball, is this offense knows that despite their the EPA, you know, despite all these things, analytics that suggest they are a great unit, they know they can go out there and do better. And there was a play, mm -hmm. players only meeting here that was very much about players holding each other accountable, holding themselves mm -hmm. accountable, and going out there and executing more. Because mm -hmm. there's a lot of blame falling on the offensive coordinator, and rightfully so. Ken Dorsey has not done a great job, you know, as the offensive coordinator there in Buffalo. And the offense has not been the same since Brian Dabble left. So they're sitting there, they're trying to figure it out. This is a team that started three and one, they're now five and four, and it's a home game and prime time and what is a better situation is there any better situation for them to use this motivation as the get right game i mean you have a surging broncos team coming into your turf in prime time and honestly it's a little scary that this offense is going to you know start figuring things out start looking improved um mm -hmm. with with everything that they have now going for to the bills defense They've been so beat up by injuries. They've lost a couple mm -hmm. of great players for the season. But Von Miller, like we, we can't talk about this matchup, obviously, and not talk about Von Miller in his first game against the Broncos. No, and especially because he rushes primarily off of the right tackle side. And Mike McGlinchey has been 
what's lower than dirt like what's what's worse than than booty cheeks like i, I don't know the way to describe mike mcglinchey in, in pass protection here lately he's struggling and that's that's an understatement he has been one of the bottom uh bottom right tackles in the nfl in terms of pass protection this season uh in fact at one point and i think it still actually stands right now mike mcglinchey has over one third of the total pressures allowed from this offensive side are mike mcglinchey's fault he has not been very good and while while von miller is not having a true von miller season he's recovering from a torn acl this last year um obviously he still needs to get back to full health he has turned it around significantly over the last couple of weeks. The The game against the Buffalo Bills, he wrecked a lot of from what I was able to see. I didn't get a chance to watch a whole bunch of the All-22, so I will admit that. But what I was able to watch, Vaughn Miller was all over. Um, who's the, Is it Akeem Adeniji is the right tackle for the Bengals? I, I can't remember who it was. I, I think so. Anyways, Vaughn Miller had like five pressures in that game. I think he got a sack as well. He, I know he forced another sack. On a, on a play where he wrecked the pocket as well. Vaughn Miller against Mike McGlinchey, this is a problem, plain and simple. And let's not forget, you got Gregory Rousseau out there, Leonard Floyd as well. This, this Buffalo team has some guys that can come off of the edge. Where I think that this Broncos team, need, and I brought this up last week on the show, I had, as K-Hop says, we, uh, Lance, we don't need the negative energy. Let's go 1-0, baby. Uh, last week, I said that this Broncos team has the possibility of beating the Bills. And I still think they do. I, I think that there is a very open pathway for them to actually go out against this Buffalo Bills team and win on, on Monday night. And it's going to revolve around the running game. This this Buffalo Bills team, with without Matt Milano in the middle of their uh, of their defense, coordinating everything and just being a coach out on the field, uh, Jordan Poyer's dinged up. They're missing Tredavious White. There, there's a lot of injuries for this, this Bills defense. They are struggling against the run right now. Uh, this is according to NFL.com, uh, pulling up their stats. The Buffalo Bills are the 30th worst team in terms of stopping the run in terms of yards per carry. They are allowing 4.9 yards per carry on the ground on an average. The big part of the reason why they are higher in terms of uh, rush yards allowed, they're closer to 12th, is because they have the seventh fewest rushing yard uh, rushing attempts against them. This Broncos team has been killing teams on the ground specifically going back over the last three weeks they are rushing the ball at right at five yards per carry they need to go out there much like they did against the kansas city kansas city chiefs run the football 35 times put the ball in javante williams hands put the ball in jaleel mclaughlin's hands attack these this defensive front up front and move the line of scrimmage and that is the easiest way to slow down this pass rush for the buffalo bills which has been killing people as well they have to go run the football. And if they do that, that's how they're going to win this football game, plain and simple. Yeah. I mean, that that's your way there is you got to run the ball offensively and play strong defense. Um, it's what this team was built up to be. But the Bills aren't super terrible against the run. They're doing a little bit better recently. Sure, the Bengals ran the ball, what, I think 34 times technically um mm -hmm. counting let's see here seven rushes by six by joe burrow one by jamar chase um for 138 yards that's good like it, it's it's a very good number and everything um hold on sorry gotta pull up the right game actually so uh no, sorry they ran ahead, the ball 17 ahead. times 
Bengals ran the ball 17 times for 50 yards. Again, this so last week, this, yeah, is a de- this is a defense that is starting to put it put it together. And sorry about that. When I first pulled up the stats, it pulled up 2022s instead of 2023s for some reason. Um, this is a defense that is starting to get things figured out. And they've been doing, mm-hmm. even though they've gone, what was it, three and four? No, two and three, sorry. Um, over the last five games, they're still putting things together, dealing with the losses that they have on the defensive side of the ball. When I was watching this Bengals-Bills game, they played a pretty solid game defensively against the run. That's where they focused on it and opened up things for the for the pass. Mm-hmm. And that is where the Broncos' offense has had issues. They have had issues against defenses that are wanting to make you pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to be able to figure out a way to run the ball against this defense. Part of that is because they have to, as you mentioned, they have to slow down this pass rush. Not yeah. just Von Miller, but A.J. Epineza. Yeah. who has been absolutely killing it over the last few weeks. Um, he's gotten multi, he's gotten four of his five sacks in the last five games, um, constantly getting into the backfield. He's been absolutely destroying opposing tackles, and he's not even starting for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they have been doing such a good job with disguising their co- or disguising their blitzes and getting after the quarterback. They're one of the better teams at with at getting after the quarterback. And we have a quarterback who likes to hold the ball so long. We have the weak spot at right tackle. Like Denver has to figure out to run how to run the ball against mm-hmm. the defense that is starting to put their run defense together and make yep. it consistently and make it this unit that you typically come to expect of a Sean McDermott defense. Yeah, you're absolutely correct on that. And to to kind of more expand on the effectiveness of this Bills pass rush, Gregory Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, and Von Miller are their starting four down defensive linemen. They have 20 sacks between the four of them. That's more than the Broncos team has combined. Like th- this team gets after the quarterback. That's what they do. And they do a damn good job of doing it. And what's the easiest way to eliminate a pass rush? Draws and screens. And get just straight up saying, we're going to run the football at you. We're going to get you on your heels. And Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver have been not great against the run. Jordan Phillips is actually, I had it pulled up and I I wish I wouldn't have killed my, uh, my tab here. Jordan Phillips has been one of the worst interior run defenders uh, in the NFL this season, uh, playing below an average level, according to PFF. Um, he's getting driven off of the football. It's not his strong suit. Jordan Phillips is an interior pass rusher. He's a guy that likes to shoot gaps and get after the quarterback. If you have to uh, put him out there, get him on some double teams, get Quinn Miners, get uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, double team him up, push him around. You can actually run at Jordan Phillips, and you really can run at Ed Oliver. That's been the, the big thing for Ed Oliver in his entire career at the NFL level. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and just destroy you in the running game. This is a game where Ben Powers and Quinn Miners need to earn their contracts. They need to go out there and beat the holy hell out of the interior of this, inter- uh, of this uh, Bills defensive line. They're going to be able to, to create some push up front. And those two guys have been mauling people up front over the last three games. This is like that's the that's the key to this game, guys. I I I don't want to overstate it. If Denver can get their running game going and then open up shots over the top, because Jordan Poyer is dealing with a with an injury right now, uh, they're missing Micah Hyde. Tre'Davious White is out for the season uh, with a torn ACL or no, excuse me, a torn Achilles. Uh, Matt Milano's missing time is out with a torn ACL as well. Like there, there's an opportunity here. If you can run the football, set up the play action pass. 
And can we finally see Marvin Mims on a deep shot? We haven't seen that since week two or three. Like, there's opportunities here. You can take advantage of this defense. And while, Eric, I don't disagree with you, they are starting to put stuff together. There are definitely ways that this Broncos team has been excelling throughout the course of the season that they can take advantage of. And if they can play ball control offense, play solid defense, and limit Josh Allen running the football, it's easy to see a Broncos win. I think the Buffalo Bills – spoiler alert. I think the Bills are going to win this game because I don't trust the Broncos to actually execute the game plan the right way, and I think the Bills are going to come out pissed off after they got embarrassed in Cincinnati last weekend. But there's an opportunity here. The Broncos can really turn the season around, get to four and five against a Bills team that's been struggling over the last five weeks. It's a – when you look at this defense, the the Bills defense particularly in the offense, and then when you look at the Broncos offense against the – or the – when you look at the Broncos offense against the Bills defense and the Bills offense against the Broncos defense, both offenses have the way to take advantage of the defense. Yep. Um, one thing is that I, I strongly disagree with is that you said it's easy. It's easy for this Broncos offense to attack this defense. Nothing's easy in the NFL. Well, no. Okay. So especially me... when you have a Bills defense that is starting to put it together. Joe Mixon is a really good running back, and the Bills just shut him down. Mm-hmm. They are starting to put it together, and a big issue, Jordan Phillips, yeah, he's a problem. Ed Oliver, he's always had issues against the run. Their bigger issue was they lost Matt Milano, and the linebacker mm-hmm. replacing him was still putting it together. That's a big difference. When I was watching this Bills defense against the Bengals, it was a linebacker play that was that was so improved from previous games of theirs that I had watched as to why they were able to shut down, essentially, this Bengals rushing attack, they did a good job of Jordan Phillips was opening up lanes for the linebacker to shoot through and make a play. Ed Oliver was using explosive ability to sit there and, you know, either cont- um, control the blockers or, you know, shoot the gap and cause disruption. So it is a defense that's putting things together. There are ways that you can attack them still, you know, play action, as you said, you know, trying to attack deep, getting Marvin Mims involved. But the Bills are a team that they don't allow a lot of explosive plays. They -hmm. do a very good job of protecting themselves from that. So Marvin Mims, there's been opportunities in previous weeks. There may not be opportunities in this game for that deep shot. You have to sit there and you have to set it up. It's like a game of chess. You set up moves down the road early on to sit there and go and try to come out with the victory. So it's not easy for the Broncos no. to go out there and, to go out there and do this. And then you know, on the flip side is that you can try and play ball control offense, but the Bills are an explosive offense. They have yeah. shown they're one of the better teams with explosive rates. Um and then this defense granted not so much the last few weeks, but they have been one of the worst teams in allowing explosive plays. Mm-hmm. And even the last few weeks when you're not counting um even the last few te- or the last few weeks, they're helped by not allowing teams in the end zone, but they're still allowing explosive plays between the twenties. Yep. So yep. both offenses have their ways to attack these defenses and move the ball and put points on the board. I don't think seeing a ball control offense from the Broncos is going to be enough to beat this Bills team, especially if they sit there and start putting together everything on offense. Yeah, and and. Let me rephrase it. It's not easy to to go out there and win in the NFL. It's it's never easy. That's one of the most 
common knowledge statements ever. Winning at the NFL level is hard. It's incredibly difficult. So apologies for saying it that way. My thing is, is if the Broncos stick to the identity of this team that they built back in free agency, going out and getting Mike McGlinchey, a guy that's a mauler in the, in the running game, going out and getting Ben Powers, a guy that's a mauler in the running game, going out and trying to fortify this defense as much as they possibly could. And granted, you know, they, they, they moved on from Randy Gregory and Frank Clark, but they're getting better performance up front from uh, Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper and, and Baron Browning. They're, they're, they're healthy. Like they, this team matches up so well with the bills right now, specifically because the bills are so decimated by injury, specifically on the defensive side of the football. I mean, uh, Terrell Bernard is probably not going to play this game because he's got a concussion. He was a limited participant in practice again today. So we don't know if he's actually going to play. Balon Specter, another does he not sound like a Game of Thrones character? Balon Specter. Like that's that's a great name. Anyways, uh, he's another one of those linebackers missing time with a hamstring injury. I mean, uh Dorian Williams has played sparingly, but when he has played, he's played fairly well. Um, there's I, I just I feel like there's an opportunity here for the Broncos to go out and exploit the weaknesses of this Bills defense in the proper way to make it so that they have a really good opportunity to win this game. So that's that's kind of where I was coming from with the it, it make it easy to to beat this team. It's never it's never gonna be easy. One player and, I want to bring up though that we uh go ahead, go ahead. I I do want one player to bring up here in a minute though. Since you keep bringing up the injuries of this Bills team, just to be clear here. Trell Bernard was a limited participant today, and the expectation is that he'll be cleared from concussion protocol to play. Leonard okay, Floyd so was I hadn't a heard participant. That. AJ Klein, full participant. Jordan Poyer, a full participant. Balen Spector, a full participant. So they have injuries, but they're that are putting them on the injury report. But most of these guys are still going to play. It's not like they're going to be missing. They're not okay. going to be missing time. I mean, Baron Browning and Ben Powers are the only two on the injury report. Both of them are full participants. Both of them are still expected to play. So, yes, they are a banged-up defense, but it's not like they're going to be without these guys. The only ones okay. who look like they will be without with for sure is Christian Benford, who that's fine. He was essentially replaced anyways, and Micah Hyde. And they really like the other line, the other safeties they have, um, their third safety in particular. Um, so dealing with injuries – but injuries don't auto, don't make things aren't a what's the right word here? Um, I, can't, I can't think of the right way, right way to word this. Um, but injuries aren't going to sit here and keep this defense from being what this defense can be. Right, right. I I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, it, and I didn't I I was not aware that uh, Terrell Edmonds was going to be potentially cleared from concussion protocol. I, last I saw was he was a limited participant today and I didn't see anything for that update. So thank you for that. I do appreciate that. Terrell Still, though, I, I think Terrell, did I say Tremaine? What? Terrell Edmonds, sorry. Terrell Edmonds. My goodness, I am losing my mind right now. <laughs> and real quick, we have this in here and we're talking about it. But Diggs was mm -hmm. added to the injury miss today. He was limited participant today. He didn't miss, he was limited. And expectation is is that he will still he'll be cleared and play. His back was just bothering him a little bit. We'll see if that yeah he had a bit in the game, but we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Stefan Diggs and the back injury wide receiver position, there's a player here that offers a great mismatch for this Broncos defense in terms of being able to take the top off of it. And 
he may not be a, a well-known player, but they do like to get him involved in the passing game. It's Khalil Shakur. This dude's explosive, man. He's a straight-line guy. He's not the best route runner. But him against Pat Sertan when they line up one-on-one on the outside, this is a problem for this Broncos defense. I think that Khalil Shakur, this might be the one explosive play guy that really scares me the most for this Bills uh, for this Bills offense because he can burn anybody. Like, it, it, like very, very quick twitch, kind of get out of your stance and get going kind of receiver. What do you think of him against this Broncos defense? Yeah, I mean – just another thing of the bills this with and it's kind of frustrating to watch a little bit because they have some good receivers there but it's always like they need more receiver help and part mm-hmm. of the reason for that is that they have a lot of like one trick pony type receivers essentially yeah Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs not included but Kula Shakur he's basically going to catch the ball short and try to make a big play or he's going deep like that that's basically all he brings to the receiver room, but he can create a mismatch because there's nobody on this Broncos defense that can really hang with him covering deep. You have to have a safety over the top whenever he's on the field, basically. Otherwise he can burn you. Um, and then even when you get into that is you still have to then worry about Stefan Diggs using that to take, to attack underneath or Gabe Davis working the boundary or Dalton Kincaid working the middle of it. And real quick, I, Matt was talking about him earlier. I totally forgot that Dawson Knox is on injured reserve at the moment, so he yeah. won't be playing. So that's just more Dalton Kincaid that we're going to be seeing to create mm-hmm. more issues for this Broncos defense. So Shakur is like one of those gadget-type receivers that they can work into the game plan, but I don't think he's going to be like a large part of their game plan just because of no. how one-trick pony he is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's one of those things where they're going to dial up a play for him. That maybe one or two, maybe three plays are going to dial up a shot and and try to take advantage of his speed over the top. And they they do a lot of that with him on the outside, from what I remember watching. Um, I again I didn't get to watch a whole lot of Bills tape, but every time it seems like they take a shot with him, he's working on the boundary, and that's going to be either Fabian Moreau or Pat Sertan. And straight line speed guys, those two players struggle with. That, like they need to get their hands on him quickly, get him shut down as close to the line of scrimmage as they possibly can. Because Shakur's a, I think a four three four guy. Like this dude's electric, and he can outrun pretty much anybody in the NFL. Um, let's see here. Let's. I, I, there was a couple of comments I wanted to see. Um, we've got Travis Hudson coming in here. If the defense can contain Josh Allen and stop Diggs from going off, we have a chance to win outright. Um, something I want to add here is this this Buffalo Bills running attack offensively is pedantic like like there's there's not a whole lot going on there they they don't really focus on trying to run the football and a big part of the their running attack over the past handful of seasons is they they rely on Josh Allen quarterback power quarterback dive a, a bunch of stuff like that RPO stuff they haven't done that a lot this season and i think that really like makes their run offense suffer for what it is but last week against the Bengals, Josh Allen did get some opportunities to run the football. Is this something that you need to keep your eye on, Eric? Is this something that the, the Bills defense could potentially utilize with uh, with Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito really wanting to get upfield, those escape lanes and the B-gaps, uh, and Josh Allen running the football forward rather than a guy like Pat Mahomes who likes to dance around behind the line of scrimmage, escape laterally uh, rather than vertically? Josh Allen will take off vertically at the drop of a hat. 
Is this something the Broncos defense really needs to be focused on? And how do they combat that? I mean, you got to ease your pass rush a little bit. You can't be super aggressive. Um, the Buffalo Bills, they're a team that they don't run the ball often. They're 18th most rushing attempts per game, just a little bit over 25.3 to be exact. But when they do run the ball, they actually run it pretty well. They mm-hmm. are they're tied for the ninth highest yards per attempt, like 4.3. So when they run the ball, they do well. They just don't stick with running the ball. And a big element to that has been the limitation of Josh Allen running the ball because they had the mindset there that they needed to limit Josh Allen carrying the ball so that they can keep him healthy down the stretch because that was an issue the last couple of years. He'd keep running the ball, start getting banged up, and it kind of bothered, it started to affect the team, you know, when playoff time is crunch time is really getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, them starting to use him a little bit more as a runner over the last couple of weeks is a concern for them. Or for this build or for this Broncos defense because of how effective it is. They ha- are such a good team with quarterback draws, with quarterback powers, with all these things like these things, especially when you have a defense that's super aggressive, like you have with the Jonathan Cooper and Nick Benito. Um, so it's something that they have to watch out for. He's ran the ball over the last three weeks a total of 22 times, 50% of his rushing attempts on the season have been in the last three weeks. They're getting him more involved because it opens up so much more in the running game. And he's got three rushing touchdowns in that span. He's a big, powerful quarterback that is such an element to bring such an element to the, to the running game that it was mind boggling there for a while that they weren't using it even though I understand the issue of trying to protect him and keep him healthy a little bit. This is something that can be very concerning for, for the Broncos defense, especially with the when watching them, even when they're improving, how they like to vacate the middle of the field. So, yeah. so it is yeah. something that I'm rather concerned about. Yeah, I, I am as well. And I, I think that something you need to really kind of focus on is using Josie, Josie Jewell as a spy. I think that that is something that the Broncos need to kind of focus on letting Alex, like you you absolutely have to, Um, because Jewel is is so assignment sound and he does such a great job of putting himself in the right position. And quite honestly, he's had success chasing down Josh Allen in his career. I mean, they they played uh, when he was at Iowa, Josie Jewel, and when Josh Allen was at Wyoming. They played together uh, against each other um, in uh, Kinnick Stadium and uh Josie Jewell chased Josh Allen down a handful of times in that particular game so uh, not that that really matters at the NFL level but still I mean we got some experience to draw on here I think that that is something that the Broncos definitely need to do though they need to get Josie Jewell as a spy and let him just keep his eyes on Josh Allen stick to your assignment and then go chase him down um last couple of things here we got about five minutes left on the show uh we got another comment here from Travis as well talking about do you think that the Denver Broncos can cover the spread? I don't know what the spread is on this game. It is a primetime game, and it is also on the East Coast. And, Eric, we were talking about this before we went live. You went and did the research on Denver on the Denver Broncos going to the East Coast to play in Monday night football games. I'm not going to bury the lead here. What did you find out, man? The last time the Broncos have won on Monday night football, traveling to the Eastern time zone, the East coast was 1989. They are four and 16 on East coast Monday night football games. And the only reason why I mentioned that is because last week 
I was talking about their prime on the East Coast, and like I didn't have the record then about it. I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was this bad. I thought they were better than better than four and sixteen. Um, and then another element with this game is Bill Vinovich is the ref, um, and Bronco fans know the history quite well of Bill Vinovich and the Broncos. And it was surprising digging into it because over the, what is it, however many games that he's called, I can't remember, um, and I don't have my paper in front of me at the moment, the Broncos have only won two games he's been the ref of. They're like two and six or two and five or something like that. But he's called more pen- he's called more penalties against the opponents than he has the Broncos. But the reason for that were two games specifically um, where it was like 12 to four, 12 to three, um, something like that, and another one that was like 13 to like six. Like, just outrageous numbers. Now, I don't believe that refs fix games. I don't believe that Bill Vinovich has it out for the Broncos. I don't buy any of that. But it is always noteworthy when you look at the refs and what their tendencies are and how it can impact the team and what Bill Vinovich's crew, what their tendency is with penalties is something that is very concerning for this Broncos team and Mm -hmm. might play a factor in the results on Monday night. Bill Vinovich was the reason the Broncos lost the uh, the 2012 uh, AFC Divisional game. Everyone wants to blame Raheem Moore and uh, Tony Carter. No, Bill Vinovich calling pass interference on Champ Bailey. That no, 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 no. Let, let's not. <coughs> Sorry, I had to I, I had to throw it out there, and I'm about to lose my voice here. But uh, anyways, guys, I, I think that's pretty much it for us tonight. Eric, do you have anything else you want to grab in the comment section? I'm not seeing anything. Uh, not that we don't love you guys coming in here and, and, and having a great night with us on uh, on a Friday night here for Dub Valley Deep Divers. Is there anything pressing you wanted to grab or can we uh, send everybody home for the rest of the evening? I think it's I think it's good. Um, one thing I do want to say is completely unrelated to Broncos football. But as the holiday time of year comes around, make sure you guys check in with, you know, family, friends and loved ones and make sure they're doing OK. Um, just because this is always a tough time of year for a lot of people who battle, you know, different mental health issues and depression, especially, um, just make sure you guys, you check in on your family, friends, loved ones, make sure they're doing okay. Um, just something to keep in mind as, you know, as the holidays come around. Yeah. But hopefully. Thanks for, remind, thanks for reminding me. hopefully next friday we're able to talk about it and as i said last week if the broncos win this game i'll talk about the broncos next week as a playoff team yeah until then not a playoff team yeah and happy veterans as well that is another yes happy veterans yes Yes, absolutely. Happy Veterans Day um, to all of our veterans out there, everybody that served this country, whether it's in the uh, the armed forces, uh, first responders, um, specifically armed forces, this what this day is for. But to everybody that's out there as a public servant, we appreciate all of your guys' service to this country. It's what makes this country what it is. You guys fight for our freedoms and, and help us be able to live our lives the way that we do. So we definitely appreciate you here at Mile High Huddle and especially Dove Valley Deep Divers in, in the Sanderson uh, household, Trickle household. Uh, everybody here. We all definitely appreciate you, appreciate you guys for joining us here again on a wonderful Friday evening for Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, we got Scott in the house tonight. So at Scout Kennedy, make sure you get after him there. Also, guys, while you're at it on the Twit machine, make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. Where you guys will find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, uh, film breakdowns, opinion articles, 
anything you guys like regarding the Denver Broncos, you're going to find it there. Uh, hit the, uh, the merch store at mhhmerch.com. Facebook supporters go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Keep up with the conversation. It's always great to get up with you guys there as well. And for Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you guys same time, same place next weekend. As always, go Broncos. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.